This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. We are in a little short series. We're on sermon number 39 on authority and the superpower of words. Amen. Somebody said, Pastor, are you ever going to get done? I, I have no goals. I have no ambitions for that. I don't know when we'll be done. But I do know this. We're building an army of people. And let me just say this. When you get your words right and you keep them right, your life is going to change. Your life is going to change. And just because some of us have heard this 25, 30, 40 years, like myself, 40-something years now, I love doing this because it's refreshing my own walk with God. Uh, Because, you know, the, the Bible says, take heed lest at any time you let these things slip. And things can slip, things that you've got firmly in place today, you can start faltering in tomorrow. And that's the reason we just said, you know what, we're just going to get in this and go with it till God says stop. And so far he hasn't. So stay online because your words determine your destiny. We're going to help you fix some things. I'm going to say some things along the way I haven't said before because you know me, I keep digging and God keeps talking. So let's just do that. So again, Father, thank you for the word we're about to receive in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted. Mark chapter 11, we're going to read a very familiar passage, but don't check out on me because we'll pick out some things in just a minute. And on the morrow, verse 12, Jesus uh, says, as they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came upon it happily if he might find anything on it. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. So he came to a tree That again, we've talked about, was boasting that it had fruit on it because when the leaves come, the fruit comes the same time. So it should have had, if it had leaves, it should have had fruit. But Jesus was going to use this for an object lesson. And Jesus answered and said unto it. Say, say Jesus spoke to the tree. tree. Now it it is not crazy for you to talk to stuff in your life. Now, we already do it. It's amazing when you point it out from the pulpit that you should do it. People think, well, this would be crazy if I talked to my car. But you're already talking to your car. And so what we're we're using here is just kind of reminding us to get our words in the right way. He said then, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. Everyone say forever. Now, that's a pretty huge statement. And his disciples heard it. They heard Jesus speak to it. Now, they had seen Jesus do a lot of things, but they'd never heard him speak to a tree. So they took note of this. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple, and we know he began to cast out some people, so on and so forth. And then, uh, verse 19, when the evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw 
they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, remember, this is less than 24 hours. This tree has undergone an incredible change in less than 24 hours. Now, I know this. If you cut down, um, if you cut a limb off your trees like they did today. Now, they took all of those limbs. They cut off my trees out today. They cut a whole bunch off. They carried them out. But you know, if you went and looked at them tonight, they'd still look like they were alive. It actually takes a while, even for one that you cut off, to begin to wither. And I mean, especially just to totally dry up. I mean, some of them will lay out there for a while. But this thing in less than 24 hours, it was completely changed. And Peter, calling to remembrance, you might know it would be Peter that would notice this, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. So uh, I want to stop for a minute because we're going to go on and read the next couple of three verses. You know we'll get to them. But Jesus was about to teach them about the superpower of words, that words carry superpower. They're designed to do it. Our words are more powerful than we can even imagine. Now, because we have the mercy of God, thank goodness, and the grace of God on our lives, they don't always happen in less than 24 hours like in this case. Thank God for that. Because if they did, probably none of us would be in here. Because probably at some point in our life, we probably said something really dumb when we were hurting or down or depressed. I just wish I was dead. Aren't you glad that didn't come to pass? Thank God for the mercy of God. Nevertheless, though, words that you speak, if you don't do something with them or check them, they're going to finally begin to create. So uh, Jesus then is teaching them something that is really strange. To me, this has always been something that was missed by the great faith teachers of our time. He actually was teaching them first, he was teaching them the power of negative words. That's what this lesson is. He didn't say to that, why didn't he say to that tree, okay, uh, figs, be on it. And then come by the next day and figs be on it. That would have been a positive word. And the next day they could have seen, wow, he just spoke to the tree and the pigs, the figs grew overnight. But instead he said, no one will ever eat of you again forever. I mean, this was really finality here. And so he's teaching them. He's really trying to get their attention. You need to be very careful about what you say. Did you see how powerful that was? I mean, Peter said, oh my gosh, we, were, we just walked by this tree yesterday. It was green. It was flourishing. It had leaves everywhere. I mean, we just came by here. It's not only, you know, uh, non-respondent. It is, the Bible says it withered up. I mean, this thing completely just, just withered in less than 24 hours. So he's teaching them the power of negative words. Can you shout amen? amen. He's teaching them the utter destruction. Because this was utter destruction. This tree would never again bear fruit. It was done over. You could not revive this tree. He's teaching them the utter destruction that can come when you choose negative words. Are you listening to me? And it's also, it shows you how this tree existed to produce fruit, but it's also showing us how negative words 
can cancel out something that's supposed to be fruitful. Did you catch that? So there are some things in our life that are supposed to be bearing fruit that we might be killing with our words. Why do I always say great things about Pastor Ginger? Well, because my God in heaven. I mean, that's one tree that, you know, I don't ever want to, <laughs> I want that tree to be fruitful in my life. She's important. We were seated today. We went over here locally before I did the podcast. We didn't have much time for lunch. And I knew we had to have a, like a real quick bite and, and go. So we stopped over here at the Waffle House. And we know a lot of the people in there. And we went in and uh, we were seated and it was a new waitress there. And she came over and said something about, well, you guys want to sit here? I said, yes. Yeah. She said, will this be on one ticket? I said, well, it has been for 39 years. I said, you know, I said, I said, this is my best friend in the whole world. And she said, oh, I said, well, she is. I said, I'd rather be with her than mine. She said, oh, I wish I could get somebody like that. I said, you can, but you're going to have to pray and you're going to have to follow God. Now, she, God sent her to me to be a blessing. But what would happen if I started cursing the thing God sent to be fruitful to me? I can't, I can't afford to do that. Some of you, you've got to speak better things over your marriage. You've got to speak better things over your relationship. Amen. Well, our relationship's gotten stale. Well, why not? I guess I can figure this out pretty quick. If I hang around you five minutes, I can figure that out. When you're calling her your old lady. and Amen. Don't shout me down now. So, now he goes on to say in verse 22, now he's given them the lesson on negative words. It's a pretty startling lesson because this tree has completely died in less than a day and it'll never bear fruit again. This is a really startling lesson that they've been given on the superpower of words, how they also operate in the negative. But then he said, however, have faith in God. Next verse, verse 22. For verily I say unto you, so what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Right? He says that in verse 24. But remember he says in verse 23, Say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe those things that you say shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. Now, I'm going to use a very unusual phrase tonight that I'm not sure I've ever said, so I want you to catch it. It is critical. It is critical that when you have said something, you don't negate it with your prayers. Now, you say, well, you've already said that, but hang with me. We're going somewhere. In other words, if I'm saying, thank God my life is blessed, I better know how to pray when I pray, say, thank God the word of God says, I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out. Amen. There are rules for praying. We, we have got to learn how to pray the right prayers. You can't just throw any old prayer up in the air and expect it to come to pass. You've got to pray in line. You've got to pray, first of all, in line with the word of God, but second of all, in line with what you're saying. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to do this a little different way. Once you have prayed something, don't negate it with, your, with what you say. 
If I pray and say, Father, I thank you that my needs are met according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Thank God you've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. Woo, I thank you, Lord God. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed wherever I go. And if I go through all of that and then I say, but I tell you what, well, I know that I guess I'll never get it. Now, here's, I'm going to use a phrase I've never used. You said you've said all that. Okay, but I'm about to use a phrase I've never said before. We need to quit unsaying what we've already prayed. We are, the body of Christ, I've noticed, is very notorious for unsaying something. They'll, they'll get on their faith for a minute. They'll say, well, we're going to make it. Oh, our house, our children are going to be great. Our children are going to grow up and be strong in the Lord and serve God. Woo! That's what I say in Jesus' name. And then we'll get an evil report and go, I don't know what's wrong with that kid. He's going to wind up getting himself hurt out there on the streets and probably die. And we'll say something dumb like that. We've got to learn to quit unsaying what we've already said. Are you catching this? So you need to think about once you say what, you de- what things serve you desire, verse 24, what things serve you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. We've got to make sure after we have prayed that we don't do anything, we don't say anything to disagree with what we prayed for. We don't say anything. Everybody say anything. So don't unsay. That's a strange, I don't even know if it's a phrase, but, but it's one that got in my spirit. The Lord said, my people, he said this to me, my people are notorious for unsaying things that they've already either said or prayed. And he said, they're going to have to learn how to let that sit right there and to stand on that. Can you shout amen? amen. Now we won't go to Genesis one. We've done a lot of study there. We won't go there tonight. Um, but we've read it and we pointed out about 11 times in Genesis 1 when we're reading the story of the recreation. What we're seeing is how God said and it was so. God said and it was so. God said and it was so. And this is when he was putting everything together. The firmament, the water, the birds, the trees. He was putting everything in order and we, we get to see God, the master. He's the master of words. He's the master of it. And we get to see him using words and we see how, they, how, how it perfectly makes everything. Now, before we get to believing that that was God and it's not us and, you know, well, I mean, that was God. And, of course, he is the master of that. And, of course, he is. But there's a reason why God is the master of the superpower of words. Let me tell you why. Because he never unsays anything he says. Now, can this get a little bigger now? Now, can you begin to move with me a little? Because we read in Genesis 1 how he divides the firmament from the water. He makes the trees. We don't see any place else in the rest of the Bible where he goes back and says, I'm going to undo all that. I, I, that's not the way. No, no. What he said there, this is how it shall be. And here we are 6,000 years later and we... Listen, if you live in Tennessee, you're going to see a lot of trees. I don't think that we understand if we're not from this part of the country, or maybe some of you do because you weren't born around here, but we have, uh, we have people come in. I had a guy fly in from Sacramento years ago uh, with Dr. Godot, and he came as Dr. Godot's assistant. And, and uh, I remember picking him up at the airport, and Dr. Godot and myself, and, and he, we were riding along, and he had never been out of 
California. He'd never even been into any other area, but mostly the more, uh, I'd say areas that weren't very, you know, didn't have a lot of, of forest or any of that. He was kind of just stayed local. He said, oh my gosh, I've never seen so many trees in my life. And I almost want to say where? Because I was raised here, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm like, what, what are you talking about, man? I, I mean, trees, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Now think about this. When God said, there's going to be a child born, he's going to take back the authority uh, from you, Satan. When he said that in chapter three, he never unsaid that. All he did, if he spoke about it at all, he said it again, and he said it again. And he said it again, 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 and he said it again. He never unsaid anything that he said. And man, we get over to Luke chapter 1 and some big things begin to happen. Now I'm going to go back there in just a minute. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. If you love the Lord, shout amen. amen. Now, every word that is preached to you if this is your church, if God has sent you here, and by the way, if God's the one sent you here, that's the only person that should be able to take you from here. Shouldn't be a human being, shouldn't be somebody else. Of course, some people, they always use that card. Well, the Lord spoke to me. I'm like, well, how come the Lord is five foot seven? I didn't think the Lord was five foot seven. I thought he was, I thought he looked a little different from that. Amen. But here we are in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we, we know this, but again, let's just point out again quickly that faith is actually a substance, but it's an unseen substance. Amen. And that's where our mind can play tricks on us. Our faith is based on something that we can't initially put our hands on. We can't initially wrap our arms around. We can't even see it with our, like our, I'm talking about our optical eyes, our, this vision. But just because we have learned that, of course, just because that's, those are factual statements, it doesn't mean that it's not substance. It's a different kind of substance. Can you say amen? amen. Let's learn some more about it. By, the, by it, the elders obtained a good report. Let me just go ahead and say this. If you ever desire to grow into being an elder in the body of Christ, you're going to have to grow in faith. Amen. It's not how many times you attend church. It's not how many stars you got for your attendance. It's about how much faith you receive and how much faith you operate in, whether you are considered by God to be an elder. It's not how many years you've been in church. I know people have been in church 40 years and they don't have enough faith to even blow their nose. Now, I'm not being cruel and I'm not being mean and don't take this wrong and don't read anything into it, please. But during this past year of COVID, the faith test was, there was a, lot, there was a test beside the COVID test out there. There was a faith test out there. And you really got to locate people to see exactly where they were in their walk with faith in a lot of cases. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, even if they have little faith, because we all need to know what level we're on and hopefully build on that level. I'm not demeaning anybody for not being on a higher level. I'm just saying it did expose us, didn't it? It exposed a lot of people. I contacted somebody today. I said, are you ever coming back? 
I said, everybody else has come back to the church. I mean, my God, you, you know, and I asked him that and I asked him with a truthful heart, are you coming back? Because I mean, what are you waiting on? I mean, you know, but, but, but let's put that to the side for a moment here. Because now, now notice this, if you're going to be an elder, you're going to have to have some faith. And by the way, the Bible says you should only follow those. The only people you should follow according to Hebrews is those who by faith and patience have inherited the promises of God. In other words, they've actually, you've watched them use their faith to accomplish things and overcome things and obtain things. You're not obligated just to follow anybody. You're not obligated just to listen to anybody at all. Amen. Now, verse three is a really huge verse. I love it. Through faith, we understand. I love that phrase right there. I always like to just pause for a moment and let that kind of marinate a little. Faith brings understanding. Through faith, we understand. What do we understand? That the world's, plural, cosmos is the word in the Greek, were framed by the word of God. They were made by the word of God. Notice this, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are, that do appear. So there, apparently there is a substance that we can't see with our physical eyes and we couldn't wrap our arms around, but if we learn about it and learn how to operate in it, it will bring things into appearance. It'll, bring, it'll cause things to appear in our lives that weren't there before. How many of you can see that? Isn't that really cool? Now, let's go back and make the statement we made about five minutes ago. So God framed all the worlds by faith, which we know is by speaking words. That's how God did it. And have you noticed when you walk out of here tonight, now there may be a few clouds. The storms have kind of gone by. There may be a little round later. But if you go out there tonight and there are no clouds, if you look up, you're going to see some things called stars. And isn't it amazing that God spoke that into existence eons ago and it's still there. Are you hearing me? So what are we learning? We're learning once we say something by faith, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever unsay it. Don't unsay it. If you're going to talk about it at all, say it again, 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 say it again. Now, don't you know that God had opportunities to unsay it when he started watching his people blunder and fall and, and turn back and murmur and, and, and God watched all of these things happen for centuries, but he just would not change what he said. Are you listening to me? How many of you are catching this now? Okay. So now let's couple this with some things that we've already learned. Go to Matthew chapter 7. If you love the Lord, shout amen. amen. So I want you online and those of you in this room to think about what you've been praying for, first of all. Because hopefully you've learned by now to never pray anything that's not your will, first of all. And hopefully you've learned to pray the word, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then hopefully you're beginning to make this connection that I cannot unsay what I prayed for. I've got to let that stand on its own merit. But here we are in Matthew chapter 7 
Verse 28 and 29, Jesus had just given them several different parables and what about you know, the house being built on the sand or the rock. And then in verse 28, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, everybody say sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They, they were so used to this wishy-washy stuff of really the religious people declaring not what they wanted, but what they already had. Listen, anybody can talk about what you already have. Well, I tell you what, I'm broken. And yeah, I don't have anything. And I, my life. There's a couple people online. Bless the Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I'm like, Lord, I don't like unfriending anybody. I'm such a friendly guy. But, but every time I see them, every statement they make online is my back, my knee, my hip, my heart, my life, my day. I'm like. I want to go with Rufus and Chaka Khan on this one. Tell me something good. Tell me, tell me, tell me. You know. I mean, come on, man. Can you not say anything else? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look at this. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Why? For he taught them as one having authority. He understand the authority that was behind words. He understand that words have authority behind them. They have force behind them, dunamis. They also have this regal ability because you have a position and you have the right to speak them. They had, not, they had become, become so accustomed to religious people just confirming already, yeah, you look bad. Who in the world needs somebody like that in their life? Now, we got churches in America and across the world, no offense, but a lot of preachers over the years, man, all they've done is confirm what you already know. You're doomed. You better hope Jesus comes soon because you're in trouble. Amen? Now, let's go to Mark chapter 1, Matthew, Mark. So, it's the next book over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I always like to tell this story. I've told it many times. I was teaching teenagers back in the 80s and I'd had them in this little thing. It was the foyer of our church then in the paint and body shop. The foyer was also our meeting hall, which was only about 12 by 12, which you could get every bit of 15 people in there if you were like this. It was our meeting hall and it was our, our Sunday school room. And I would go in there and I was, I was not the pastor then. I was the youth leader. So I would teach them on Sunday morning and, and I'd been telling them, you need to read your Bible. Now, I want you guys, I'm going to start checking on you on Sunday to see if you read your Bible. And I said, where, they said, where do we start? I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you start in the New Testament and read, you know, start with Matthew and read forward. And, and, uh, and then I'm going to test you, though, in a few weeks to make, make sure you read your Bible. So we went in there, you know, one Sunday morning. And I said, all right. And I called on one of them. I said, uh, so you've been re- I've been reading my Bible. I've read, I've read four or five books in. I said, okay, that's pretty good. You're doing pretty good. They said, I have a real question. I am just completely confused. I said, well, what are you confused about? They said, well, I mean, I read Matthew and Jesus died on the cross and all that. He was alive again. And Mark, what happened over there? I said, time out. I guess I should have told you that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the same story being told basically by four different people. So, yeah, we've got to get that straightened out. So if you're, if you're out there and you're a newbie, just understand that precept right there. Here we are, Mark chapter 1. And uh, 
Verse 23, there was, a, there was in their synagogue, notice this, there was in the church, apparently for some time, there was a man in the church with an unclean spirit who cried out. So, so apparently there had been this demon-possessed person. I mean, they were so dead spiritually, they didn't even know he was in there. And uh, so here we are, and it's saying, let us alone, Jesus, what, are, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know you, who you are, the Holy One of God. These demons, of course, recognized Jesus because, of course, they were in heaven. Remember at one time, the demons were, and Jesus was in heaven. All right. And Jesus rebuked him, said, hold your peace to come out of him. And when the unclean spirits had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves. These are religious people saying, what thing is this and what new doctrine is this? For with authority, everybody say authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. It was not a new doctrine. It was just one they weren't operating in. Are you listening to me? This thing had been around since the Garden of Eden. This thing about authority was still in motion. But I want you to notice if you don't operate in what's available, it does not happen. The devil will move into your house. He'll move into your marriage. He'll move into your finances. He'll move into your kid's life if you'll let him. It's up to you to take the authority you have and the word of God and walk in there and deal with him. Can you shout amen? Now, John chapter one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We read these verses. But I think these will mean a little bit more to you in light of what we're talking about tonight. In the beginning was the Word. And remember, Jesus' name was not Jesus till he became a, 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 a human on this earth. Or in human form, we should say, on this earth. His name was not Jesus in heaven. His name was called the Word. Notice it's capitalized. It's a proper noun. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They were as one. The same was in the beginning with God. All things, how many? All things were made by him. By whom? The word, God and the word, we know made them together. And without him was not anything made that was made and in him was life and the life was the light of men. And we go on down uh, and, we, and I want you to go down to verse 14. And the word was made flesh. Everybody say flesh. flesh. So understand we have the word, uh, we have the word rhema. Rhema is a, a spoken word that is revelation from God. That's called a rhema word of God. The logos is the written word of God. We have a copy of God. This, by the way, if somebody says, God doesn't speak to me, you just told me you don't read your Bible. This is God speaking right here. He did it in, in, in over 11,000 chapters, 66 books. Let me tell you something about God. He is a talker. And if God's not talking to you, you are certainly not listening. Can you shout amen? So, but then we had this thing where, where the word who was a person, the word who was literally a person became flesh and we got to see him. And why, I mean, there's the obvious reason that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. Of course, that is the reason that he came and he had to take on a flesh body and he had to pay the price. We understand that. But there was also a spiritual thing happening here where God was trying to show us 
how you can get something that's unseen to become manifested. We talked about that in one of our sessions. How the word for your life can become manifested. It can become literally flesh, something you can feel, something you can touch. And the Bible says, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. So again, we're seeing how the word that was spoken, God never unsaid it. If he did anything, he intensified what he'd already said. And he did it to the degree that it showed up in the flesh. Some of this is pretty deep. If you go home and dwell on it, your brain will get a little, get a little wobble for a minute. God kept saying it until it literally become, it became visible. Maybe I'll put it that way. Well, don't you think that's a pattern for us? God wants us to keep saying it till it becomes visible. Just keep saying it till it becomes visible. How many times do I have to say, I don't know. I have no idea. It might be, God said it hundreds of times through this word. I, I don't know how many times you're going to have to say it, but you're going to keep, you, got, you need to keep saying it until it becomes visible and don't unsay it. That's the point to now. Go back to Mark chapter one. One more time. We'll stay in the gospels and we'll move into something else. Mark chapter one. If you get anything out of this, say amen. amen. In Mark chapter one again, and uh, the Bible says, and, and he healed many diseases uh, and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him in the morning, rising up a great while. Uh, he went out, he went and prayed. They followed him. They found him. They said, all men seek him. And we go all the way down there. And what, we, what we're seeing here is the word of God is now not just being seen. Now the word of God is being, it's being multiplied. That's what we really, what God really wants us to do. God wants us to not only get the word in our lives, but if we get the word enough in our lives, we can begin to impact other people. He became flesh and suddenly now when he would lay hands on people, they got healed. God wants to get you to the point where you are so full of him. You are so full of faith. You are so full of the word that wherever you go, I mean, you pray, somebody gets healed. You, you speak it, something happens. Can you shout amen? Luke chapter one. We haven't hit Luke yet, so it's time to get over and get on to Luke for a minute. Now, I love this, this whole passage, of course. We've, it's the story, what we would call the Christmas story, but we won't read all of it. This young woman named Mary uh, gets favor with God, high, high favor with God, and God uh, chooses her, sends Gabriel to talk to her, to give her the news uh, that is beyond anyone's comprehension. Now, of all the things that, that God could say to a human being, this was beyond anything that had ever been said. There were things about rise, take up your bed. Be, there are a lot of things that God could say. In the Old Testament, we see a lot of miracles. We see a lot of things even before the Holy Spirit and before the Word is made flesh. We still see the Word working in the Old Testament. But this one is bigger than anything. Because God is speaking to a girl, speaking to a young girl and telling her, you're going to have a child and she says, well, I've not, I've, the man's not even touched me. So he said, you don't need, it doesn't even, something different's happening this time. The word is able to override the natural laws. When people say something to you like, well, now you might as well stop that because that'll never happen. 
Can I help you with something? As a believer, you need to remove the word never from your vocabulary. I'm not telling you that you can't say it in a context of a, but, but you know what I'm, you, you know what I'm saying? Amen. That word never, we, we, we need, I, when I count, when I counsel couples and they come to me and say, well, I'm, we're having problems. Well, what's your problem? Well, he never does this. And I already know that's a lie. Cause if, now maybe he hadn't done it lately. Maybe he hadn't done it since the first day, but you married him somehow or another. He got you on the hook. So quit saying he never. Quit saying she never. Amen. So God gives her this story. I love this part of it. I'm so shocked that most people don't see what we've talked about in here. How God gives her a faith building moment by showing her that her cousin who was barren is pregnant. That gives her some faith, something to work with. And then... God says, by the way, you're going to have a baby. Well, she says, but well, but well, I, well, Elizabeth was, well, maybe there is something here. Notice how, notice how God will give you faith before he asks you to do something impossible. And then we get to verse 37. He said, for with God, nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Now these next few words are, they are critical words. She said, be it unto me according to, to your word. It says, then the angel departed and said, she got it. She got it. That's all we needed. To, if we could, if she could just, just, you don't have to understand it. You don't, it doesn't have to be reasonable. It doesn't have to be anything you've ever heard of before. It doesn't have to be anything that's ever happened to anybody you know. You don't have to have any kind of precedence to go by. All you've got to do is go by the word. When your family says, well, I've never happened in our family before, just kind of grin and walk away. Keep your gun in your holster. Amen. I want to read this to you from the Amplified Classic Bible. Listen to this verse, verses 37, 38. For with God, nothing is or ever, it says in the Amplified Classic, I love that, or ever shall be impossible. Say ever. ever. Next verse, 38. Then Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to to your word. Mary said, I, I can't help what's happening to this one or that one or this person over here or that, but I'm telling let it be unto me according to your word. Can you shout amen? God's word translation, same verses. But nothing is impossible for God Mary answered and said, I am the Lord's servant. Listen to this, God's word translation. She said, let everything you've said happen to me. Everyone raise your hands toward heaven, everybody online. Say, let everything, Lord, you've said about my life happen to me. Now just thank God for that. We don't have a record 
of Mary ever unsaying that. And about nine months later, there was a baby born to a woman who'd never had sex. To a woman who had not been inseminated by some laboratory. There was no precedence for it. There was no example of it. There was no, it was beyond physics, biology, reason, intellect, you name it, it was beyond it all. Because once she said, that's my word, she never unsaid it again. Are you listening to me? We're talking about faith here. Faith, you know, when we get over to Ephesians 6, which we're not going to, but when you get over there, it describes, you know, having done all you can do to stand, stand. In verse 10 of Ephesians 6, it goes down. It starts to describe the armor of God. And it, it says a couple of really cool things. And a lot of, we may study that one night. It's a cool study. But, but it says, above all, above all, above all, take the shield of faith, whereby you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, those shields that he was talking about, he was talking to people that understood armor, real, you know, natural armor. This armor was a huge piece of armor that stood in front. It wasn't something you wore. It was something you stuck in the ground in front of you. And what would happen when others would shoot their darts and, you know, the kind that would catch flame when they would land, what they would do is these armors, these shields were made out of lead. And what they would do is they would put water and wet down these, these, these shields. So when that fiery dark, because it says you'll quench all the fiery darts of the weak one, when it would come over, they'd hold that shield up. It would hit that shield. And because it had water on it, it would just go. No fire at all. Are right, you listening to me? But it also mentions another piece there called the sword of the spirit. And here's what it says about it. It defines it. It says, which is the word of God. Now this sword was not like what you would have seen in the middle ages where they had a big long, you know, sheath and a big sword. Not, not this one they're talking about here. The Romans, this is not what they had. It was a, like a sharp dagger. And they had it where they could pull it. And here's what it was for. It was if you ever got close to them, it was for close combat. All right. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This thing is for close combat. When the devil says, I got you, you just take that thing, that dagger, that sword of the spirit, and you just put it right in there. How do you put it in since this is all a spiritual battle that we're talking about? It's not even a natural battle. You do it with your words. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How did Jesus fight the battle with Satan right after he got baptized in water and got baptized in the spirit? Every time Satan came to him, he said, it is written. And he used the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And eventually after three tries, the devil was, he said, I'm out of here for a while. I'm tired of this mess. Are you listening to me? Man, I don't know about you, but I'm getting all 
excited tonight about the Word of God. The Message Bible says, nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's, I, I, I love this. Message Bible, she said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. So you have to say, let it be with me just as you have said, Lord. Can you shout amen? amen. Now, Amos 5.14, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. This is near the back part of your Old Testament after Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. I've read this verse to you, but I think tonight it'll help you maybe a little more. Amos chapter 5, verse 14, seek good and not evil that you may live. Now, that's a, that's a really, you know, straightforward statement. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you. Notice this next phrase here. As you have spoken. So now the weight is shifting from what God has said to what we say, that's why we have to make sure we keep saying what God said. And again, I want to make this point over and over and over. So I want it to stick. I want this to be one of those things that stick inside of you. We need to quit unsaying. Once we have said, can, can you, can you say amen to that? Now I'm looking at the time for the time's sake. I'll just quote a couple of things. We read Isaiah 55. It talks about how the word, you know, uh, uh, well, let me just read it real fast. I, I think I should read at least a verse of this because I wanted to make sure I didn't, didn't, I wanted you to make the connection since we've gone this far. Maybe I should go ahead and read it to you uh, very fast. My thoughts are not your thoughts, verse 8, neither your ways my ways, says the Lord, for his heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts and your thoughts he gives the example of the rain and he says he gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. And then verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish. It shall accomplish. It shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing where I've, I've sent it to. Now remember, after this was written by Isaiah, Amos came along and said, okay, not just what God has spoken, but what you have spoken. Are, are you hearing me? So in other words, I've got to keep saying, I, I can have the same results that God has because I have his word. He gave me his authority. So if I'll say and keep saying, then I can expect that it will not return void. Then what's going to happen? Verse 12, for you shall go out with joy, be led forth with peace. The mountain and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead, and this is where a lot of Christians and believers are, Instead of the thorn, which is, I know a lot of thorny Christians, well, nothing ever works out for me. Uh, the harder I try, the worse it gets. You know, all of that kind of stuff. But instead of that, the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So God is trying to tell us here that if we'll say his word and will not unsay it, but we'll keep saying it, it's going to change our landscape. It's going to change how things respond to us. It said now the trees will get in unity with you. The mountains will get in unity with you. My God, wherever you go, it's just going, everything's just going to be in unity with you. Second Kings, 
I read this verse last time. We're almost done. Can you, can you give me about just about five more minutes or so? GP, are you with me? Now, we read this last week. Hezekiah has this letter that uh, has been delivered. And I, I want you to notice this, though. Uh, and Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. He was checking out to make sure that what he got was from God. We don't, I am not obligated to say anything other than what God says. Now, he got a letter that was false. And by the way, they falsely accused God. I, don't, I mean, if you're going to accuse God falsely, I don't have to agree with you. And I'm not going to. In Jesus' name, can you shout amen? Let me just, let, let me quote a couple more verses to you. Isaiah 43, 26, put me in remembrance. God said this, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that you may be justified. God said, put me in remembrance of my word. God said, you start saying my word. I want you to do this. Father, I thank you that your word says, by your stripes, I am healed. God said, put me in remembrance of my word that you might be justified. Remember Matthew 8 and 8 where, where the centurion said there, you don't have to come to my house. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Remember that? All you got to do is speak the word only. Everybody say only. Don't add anything. Don't add the world's opinion, your neighbor's opinion. Well, they go to church and their power. Well, okay, but you're not at their church. That's not your pastor. You're not obligated to, to, to receive that at all. Amen. We're closing. Jeremiah chapter 15. If you love the Lord, shout amen. amen. Say, I will not unsay the word of God that I have said over my life. Jeremiah is in a time where he's in captivity. The whole country's in captivity. No one is listening to him. He's like a prophet that has no pulpit. He has no one that cares about what he's saying. And he actually, of course, tries to quit. And God reminds him that he can't. He said, it's like a fire shut up in, in your bones. You know it, son. And listen, if the devil's been trying to whisper in your ear to quit, just, just tell him to go on and leave. It's too late. That you're in for life. Amen. And uh, so Jeremiah starts to get negative. And he even begins to buy into some of the things that are being said about God. And God has to straighten him out. But let's go to verse 16 first. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I did eat them. Somebody said, what are you having for supper? The word. What are you having for breakfast? The word. What are you having for lunch? The word. I'm going to mix the word in with everything I have. Amen. And your word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Everybody say the word. So we need to have, we need to put the word in this place where we esteem it. As it says, actually it says uh, uh, in Job, more than our necessary food. But I want to read some other verses to you. I want to read down verse 19. Listen, I want you to look up here. Because Joe, Jeremiah does get negative after this. And God has to straighten him out. He starts saying some things that aren't right. How many of us in this room online have ever said some stuff, even about God, that we know is all ate up? Amen. 
I get both my feet up and both my hands. You get frustrated, you get beat up, bad things happen, you don't understand what's going on, and next thing you know, you're saying something out of your mouth that you know it's not true. That's where Jeremiah was. I want you to listen to God's response. Now, it's only in the message here that it's going to be real plain, so I'm going to encourage you to go home tonight and read this from the Message Bible online. Read it from the Message Bible. It says, now verse 19 through 21, then this is how God answered me. Jeremiah said, this is how God answered me. Here's what he said. Take back those words and I'll take you back. Wow. Then you'll stand tall before me. Use words truly and well. Wow. God's telling him, you need to start using words with accuracy. Truly and well. Listen now. Don't stoop to cheap whining. Then, but only then, you'll speak for me. Let your words change them. What? God says your words can, I know you're in a miserable place here, but let your words, quit whining, use the right words, say the right thing, because when you do, it's like I'm saying it. And then he said, let your words change them. Don't change your words, it says here, to suit them. Now we need to hear that. We do not need to change our words to suit the unbelievers, the other believers, the agnostics, the atheists, the intellectualists, I don't care whether you think I'm crazy or not. I am not going to change my words to suit you so that I'll be accepted, so that I'll, be, that I'll fit in. Can you shout amen? amen? Let me read some more. Don't change your words to suit them. Here's what God said. I'll turn you into a steel wall, a thick steel wall impregnable. They'll attack you, but they won't put a dent in you. Are you hearing this? They'll attack you, but they won't put a dent in you because I'm at your side defending and delivering. This is God's decree. I'll deliver you from the grip of the wicked and I'll get you out of the clutch of the ruthless. Can you shout amen? So we need to take back some of those dumb words and we need to make a decision tonight online, people in here, that we will never unsay what we've already said that God has taught us. Can you shout amen? You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again. Thank <laughs> you.